Today, we are going to, to talk about the spiritual friendship. This is a, one of the practices um, that also can nurture our soul. And uh, there's a lot to say about the spiritual friendship, but um, I like a Rick Anderson uh, quote uh, to start A friend is a gift, but a spiritual friend is a sacred gift. And there is so much of truth in that. Indeed, a, a good friend, a Proverbs, is filled with quotes about the, the gift of friendship. There is something different about spiritual friendship. We're going to explore a little bit about it today. So, um, Rick Anderson, again, I, I like a lot his... Um, description or definition of what a spiritual friendship is. So let's start there. And he says, a spiritual friend is someone who not only challenges you in your spiritual journey, but who also treats you just as Jesus would in your fallen state. Grace before truth. Friendship over formula. A spiritual friend is someone you know very well. But more importantly, who you've allowed to know you. You've granted them access to your inner life of joy and despair, desire and fear, giftedness and struggle, competence and insecurity. I love uh, the, the idea of, of a friendship in which um, there is grace before before truth, right? It seems that in many ways we are driven into truth. And, and that's great. This, I'm, I'm all about truth. There is a hold of the space and we need a lot of truth. But sometimes the problem is when truth comes before grace, there's a lot of wounds and we all have some moments of those. And, uh, Rick Anderson talks about this idea of, of, of knowing, right? Not only that you know, but it's a person who knows you. And in that idea of knowing, there's a lot of vulnerability and a lot of risk involved too. And uh, just in general, this sharing life with somebody and this commitment, that's, that's what I will say is the definition of what makes a, a spiritual friendship, spiritual friendship is, is a commitment to try to be Christ for you. I am not Christ. I am not saying that I am God or anything like that, but I want to treat you as Christ will treat you in the good moments and in the moments that are not so good. So, in one side, we can say that we are not designed to live our spirituality alone. And we know that very well. I love Henry now, and he has a great article. We use that in Field Walking uh, about solitude, community, and ministry. Right? And he talks about this these rhythms of life, I will add, add this idea of friendship 
that community is a community that is made also of friends. And we see that in the life of Jesus, right? We have uh, in our own making this desire, is coming and ongoing and persisting desire to know and to be known. So uh, a friendship is part of our, our design and a spiritual friendship, friendship is part of our spiritual design. On the other side, we could say that we cannot see ourselves clearly. You know, we need others to see ourselves. Again, and I'm not uh, only talking about faith-walking concepts, but it is very clear to me as, uh, as we talk about the spiritual formation, for example. We come to this reality in which we need to see ourselves. The first work of spiritual formation is awareness. And I usually use the, the analogy if I'm together in a room, not in a video conference, but in a room, the only face that I cannot see clearly is mine. I can see the faces of everybody else, but not mine unless I have a mirror. And, and how, how in the world then I'm going to see myself if it is not with the help of others? You know, we have kind of changed a little bit that... that um, that need, we, we have replaced the need of, of the help of others to know ourselves because we want to be polite, because we want to be independent. But we need others to see clearly. And we will, I will say that we need the light of Christ to see ourselves, to see our goodness and our, see our, our brokenness. And sometimes, yes, we, we know that, so we go to, to God in prayer. And there are so many beautiful gifts that happen in that time of solitude with the Lord. Indeed, He is the only one. The only mediator is, is Christ. We don't need more mediators. But I will say that sometimes that light of Christ, it is showing through somebody else. It is in another person in which Christ dwells. You may have had experiences of that. I have many experiences of that, in which it is, it is the, the interaction with somebody who knows and loves Christ that brings clarity, that brings light. Sometimes I will say to the darkness, and not because, not because they are evil, but it is, there is some level of darkness in my own thoughts. When I don't expose something, when I don't talk about something, when I never say either my celebration or my lament, there's some level of darkness inside of me and I need the light of Christ and Christ is with me and within me but sometimes chooses to shine through the presence of another believer, another person in which Christ is present. So, so let, me, let me put some scripture as often. You know, we need to understand that in the light of the scripture. So let's start with Psalm, Psalm 18, 1. 3 and 4. I'm, I'm sorry, no, first, first Samuel. This is the classic example of friendship, the spiritual friendship, right? David and Jonathan. And the passage says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them for Jonathan loved David. So here, here we have a first connection and it's the connection of love. And remember, we're talking about love in Christ. I love freedom in which love is, is portrayed in the Bible in many different ways. And here we have the, the, the love portrayed in, in friendship. Jonathan loved David. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. 
Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. So then you see that there is also an intentionality, right? There is a pact. There is an agreement. It is not just the, okay, man, I, li- I really like that person. There is an agreement that is communicated between them. And there is some, some uh, uh, sealing of that. There is some words that say, this is what it is. Right? This is one of examples later in the story of Jonathan and David. And you know this, but it's a reminder when when things turn and, and Saul becomes the enemy of David, you can see the passage continues. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David again, right? Saying, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. Oh, I love that. You know, I don't know you, but I love somebody. I love the, the really desire friend that will say that for me. Oh, Marcos, may the Lord destroy all your enemies. And you may say, well, you have enemies and, you know, I don't have Philistines coming after me or or angry kings. But, you know, uh, my enemies today are my fear, my pride, my selfishness, my impatience. I can name you. I have a, a bunch of enemies. My impatience. I love for a friend, a dear friend that say with that, Passion, may the Lord destroy all your enemies, Marcos. The passage continues, and Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. So you see, this is a friendship that is renewed, that is alive, that is strong. Even when circumstances in life changes, and there are some other interests, like uh, Saul being the father of, of of Jonathan, we see that and we say, oh, this soul, or you know. But but many times friendships need to be discerned in a way that sounds a bit different than common wisdom. Another passage, John 15. I love it. You know, this is also the passage of Jesus, right? I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. He's talking with his disciples, his friends. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Now, this is far beyond just moral obedience. There is a faithfulness, faithful obedience. The only way that I see this faithfulness is in the love that I have for my wife and I think she has for me. There is a faith, there is a commitment to you. I have told you this thing, this thing, so that you will be filled with my joy. This is, the, this is the friendship. This is when we start exploring the joy. My joy. This is what I want to give my friends. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is the laughter. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see how Jesus goes from joy to sacrifice. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master's lesson confiding his slaves. Not you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. There's faithfulness, there's joy, there's love, there's sacrifice, and there's this commitment that what, what is holding us together is this faithfulness to God. 
this is this idea of loving God more than other things because we want to be faithful to Him and obey His commandments. And His commandment is love. This is a, such a rich passage. We could talk all the time about it. But um, let's move on. Matthew 26. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over to pray. He took Peter and said these two sons, James and John. And he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Oh, what a beautiful picture of friendship. Humility. Ah, oh, tell me, is not humble, Jesus. The humility to ask for help. The humility to include these this imperfect disciples into a moment of, of brokenness, a moment of vulnerability. And, and thanks God that we have the testimony of the scriptures. And we are encouraged not to hide, but to discern and to find those moments when we need the help of somebody else to sustain us. Spiritual friendship. Even if the, if the uh, disciples were not able to, to stay awake all, all night, right? That, that didn't stop the request, the vulnerability, the invitation. Such a beautiful picture. Finally, let me finish with this. A lot of scripture, you can find more, but you have First John, right? The, the beloved disciple. And I believe beloved disciple, this friendship had an impact in John in a way that we can call him the beloved disciple. And his letters testify of this. This is one of those passages. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are, we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on lying, living, I'm sorry, in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we can we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You, we could talk longer about this, but there is such a connection about the, the way that I'm living my faith, the, 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 the sanctification process in me, plus the fellowship, plus Christ, and and the light that is in the midst of that. And he talks about joy. He starts actually this passage talking about joy. We want, same thing, we want to give you this joy. I think he's echoing the words of Jesus that we just read uh, a minute ago. You know, this is about joy. We want to make you partakers of this joy. So there is a spiritual friendship in which uh, truth needs, needs to, to, to be there, but um, it's, it's truth with grace. And this is something that God uses to sanctify us, to cleanse us from all sin. There are a lot more scripture, but I think you, you, get, you get the point. Spiritual friendship. Challenges. What are the challenges I see in, in this spiritual friendship for us today? And remember, this is just my experience and my observation. The first challenge is our own wounds. You know, we have been hurt. We have been hurt in the past, in moments when we chose to be vulnerable and we were not treat, treated with grace or compassion 
but maybe with truth and thanks God for truth, but the truth was hurtful. And those wounds may have happened even in the context of spiritual relationships. Maybe a pastor, it may be um, a friend at church. Even though our wounds are emotional too, you know, we won't ever be vulnerable until we decide to own the wounds of our past. This is a little commercial for, for even faith walking. You know, that's part of the work of a spiritual formation. Now, we won't be able to face ourselves in a spiritual growth that God wants for us until we learn to face with humility and courage our wounds, the wounds of our past. So the first challenge is wounds. We don't want to be hurt again. We do everything that we can to avoid being wounded. The second is kind of the other side, right? It's pride. Ah, this is my enemy. I, I don't want to even call him my friend because he's not my friend. Pride, that side of me that doesn't want to ask for help. That is pretending that it's okay. And even when it's not okay, doesn't want to be humble enough to say, I'm sorry. Or doesn't want to say, I need you. You know, especially, I mean, here in, in the United States, I think we live in a culture, this is no angry or no judgment or condemnation in my words, but we live in a, in a culture that is independent, right? And we have pride in, in not needing help. And probably that is one of the hardest things to overcome. Things like COVID and situations that we live, or it might be sickness. The hardest thing beyond the sickness it's just the breaking through our walls of pride and acknowledging that we need help. We want to be okay. We want to help others, but we cannot ask for help sometimes. And another challenge is lack of wisdom. Really, we don't know how to discern. This is just a case, and I'm not the only voice of that. Actually, I received this, this testimony, but we, we don't have teachers not always, that teaches how to discern other matters of the spiritual dynamics. We have great disciples, we have people and mentors, but, but we don't have a spiritual teachers that teaches how to discern friendships, how to navigate these, these, these waters, not always. And sometimes they are there, but they are not necessarily teaching from a, a, from a, a pulpit, or, you know, they are people who actually need to kind of embed their lives with yours. And you learn, we learn by modeling instead just by reading books. And books are wonderful, but we need wisdom. And that wisdom sometimes is more imparted, modeled, than taught in an intellectual way. So we don't have the wisdom. Anyway, these challenges produce the autopilot of fear and resistance. And we're afraid of deep friendships and much more spiritual friendships. And we are resistant to it. And those are the two sides, and awareness about your own emotions, right? One side is fear, and the other side is resistance. Sometimes I have, I say, I'm not afraid, but when I start exploring the, the anger or the resistance that I have against something or for something, I discover that what's going on really there is fear. Very briefly, what are the characteristics that distinguish 
one relationship or one kind of friendship from another. There are many kinds of friendships, by the way, and all of them are a beautiful gift. But remember, we're talking about one that is very specific. I think when we talk about spiritual friendship, the first characteristic is intentional. Is, is, that, is a friendship, is a relationship that is intentional in action and prayer. This is not necessarily just me and my friends that like the Astros or me and my friends that go to the same church. All these are great. Or me and my friends that work together or me and my friends that like, I don't know, doing sports or doing whatever other habit together. This is, most, more, this is more like an intentional relationship in which what I'm seeking is to grow in my spiritual life. I'm seeking to create a space to grow. And they are intentional in prayer. It becomes this person that you pray for. I imagine Jonathan praying for David. I imagine David praying for Jonathan. Not because I must do, but because it just comes out of the relationship. First thing is intentionality. Second, I think, is grace. And I, I put this very, very clearly. You know, I use these terms a lot in faith working. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. I'm not the only one, by the way, but probably this is one of the phrases that you will be tired to, to, to listen if you're taking a faith working class with me. The judgment and the condemnation are places where learning stops and vulnerability stops and we become emotional and we don't think clearly, and we end being who we don't want to be. We need grace. It's a spacious grace. I'm not saying that everything is all right. No, there's truth too, but we need to start with grace. And that is very hard to do. I don't know for you, I'm putting myself in the other side. When I have a friend who comes with a, with a broken heart, who, who comes with a with, with some places that are dark in their lives or something, the, the first reaction in me, sadly, is, uh, is the reaction I call it of leader Marcos. Marcos who knows the truth and saying, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing that. Or teacher Marcos that says, oh, well, let me tell you all that I know about that thing and the passage and this other passage. And, or religious Marcos that takes a Bible that's very big, by the way, and uses it as a weapon. Boom to try to minister you by hitting you with the Bible. I'm just playing. But you see, grace is missing. I don't know, you, it might be just me, really, but my first response is not grace by default. It is whatever other thing is, false self, little Marcus reaction. So I need to work in grace. And that is the work of God in me. That changes me. Third, Characteristic truth. Yes, of course. Now, this is the other side. I need to be able to say what is so. That is the way that we say it in faith walking. To say what is truth. To say what is me or what I'm thinking with love. You know, they say this in psychology. They say that kids, especially when they are being formed, are constantly, constantly asking for the the two questions in very different ways. One question is, do you love me? Do you love me? Am I accepted? Am I enough for your love? Is your love conditional? This is a kind of question asking a thousand forms. Kids are doing that. And the other question that is being asked at the same time and in many other different ways is, can I do whatever I want? 
<laughs> can I do whatever I want? Can I break the limits? Can I violate the boundaries? And you know, these are kids, but you know, you and I, in one way or another, are doing that all the time. And as much as we need grace, and the answer to the question, do you love me, is yes, period. As you are, period. Today and forever, period. I also need the answer that Christ, the Spirit of God gives me all the time. And it's not very healthy that you do whatever you want. (laughs) And it is not good for you to do whatever you want. And you need truth, Marcos. And you need to work on many things. So we need truth. And the only way to be myself and be able to, to say and ask my real questions is if I have been held in grace, in, in grace before. Number four characteristic is true center, of course. The center here is God, right? The center here is the spirit of God. The center here is the growth. I want to be like Jesus for you. I want to tell you the truth because Jesus will tell you the truth. And you know, there are some times that it's easier not to get embedded into it, right? Please, save me the grief. But there are moments in which I have to sacrifice my life in a manner way, manner of way, for my friends. Scripture, it needs to be centered in God. That is, the result of this is what the, uh, John Donahue called the Anamkara. Right, the, 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 I think it's Celtic, Celtic words for soul friend, right? Uh, a way of, of kind of work that not as much as friendship, but it has been a spiritual direction, is one thing that has come out of this, this need. The, the idea of directors and people who become your companions and intentional, graceful, truthful, center relationship is about your spiritual friendship so very very briefly content and content and outcome of spiritual friendships okay i'm gonna just kind of what are the things that you talk about or they are part of a spiritual friendship and the list might be a lot bigger but let me give you my my five or or six points that are pretty pretty quick the content of this is not intellectual knowledge. So this is not a relationship when I'm going to challenge myself to see who knows more Bible verses or who knows better Greek or Hebrew. Not intellectual, even not discipleship. There is a level of equality in the spiritual friendship. You know, we are peers, you know. It might be a different, it might be times that we have a different role. But uh, the real content is what is the state of your soul? How is your soul doing? And a way to answer that is, how is your prayer? (laughs) Are you praying? What do you feel? What do you hear? What do you say? That's content of this kind of friendship. Second, what is the work of God in you? What is God's invitation for you today? What is the whisper of the Spirit for you? Can you hear it? No, I can't. Help me hear that. Vision comes out of this. You know, times and times I don't know very well where I'm going until I have a conversation in this context with a friend. Vision is the place of vision with the eyes of my friend not only mirror me and allow me to see myself better, but 
allow me to see kind of the road better. What is God doing? Encouragement, of course. You know, sometimes I cannot believe the things that are good in me. <laughs> Actually, that's very real for me. You know how real it is. It took the, the blessing of somebody else to start consistently, truthfully, and lovingly mirror some good aspects in me for me to start believing them. Not many of us have had lots of stories and, and a development and even a spiritual development full of people that only reminds us what we are not doing well. Our limitations, our faults. Challenge, the other side of the coin, right? Okay, Marcos, so what are you doing this? Would you tell me a little bit more of that? What if, what do you think God says about it? <laughs> Challenge. Nobody likes challenge, but you know, we grow with challenge. And lots of Psalms says, it was good for me to be disciplined. You discipline me because I learn. You need to be challenged. Celebration. Oh, I'm really bad at celebrating. Many of us, our brains are biased towards the negative. This is a psychological brain, brain science reality. We need to do an effort to celebrate, to see the goodness. We need a friend. Lament the other side of the coin. There are sadness that I am not aware until I see the tears in the eyes of my friend. Actually, it makes me remember some of those experiences and it still touches my heart. Moments in which I was so suffering and I could not even see my suffering <laughs> until I saw the tears in my dear friend remembering that it was a time for lament and finally confession oh, we don't like that word maybe maybe you do I don't know confession uh, we have done a lot of work internally to justify to, to get rid of it right we don't need that Jesus paid for all. Yes, he did. But you know what? Confession is necessary for your soul. So those are some of the things that happen in a spiritual friendship. And we all need it. I want to say something, two, two things about confession. And I tell you this because I felt really the conviction of saying that. A spiritual friendship is a lot more than confession. Okay? Whatever tradition you, you are in, in the Christian walk, um, I don't know what is your, your, your experience of confession. I like this, this quote from Elred of Riberoux, French, English, no, English monk of the 12th century. What happiness, what security, what joy to have someone to whom you dare to speak on terms of equality. Okay, here we are, two travelers. You know, we are not better. This is not about proving who is better. This is not competition. It's quality. Let's go together. Let's walk far. One to whom you need have no fear to confess your failings. One to whom you can unblushingly make known what progress you have made in the spiritual life. What a joy. 
what a joy. You know, we want the encouragement. We want the quality. We're really good that culturally we want all of that. And I can say, well, we, we might even appreciate the, the ministry now and then, the, the lament and, you know, helping me hard times. And we talk about confession, it seems something that there's a big resistance. I don't know for you. Confession is a tool for grace to incarnate in your life. The first time I came to, 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 to this realization early in my walk with Christ, just the awareness, the deep awareness of sin in my life. And you know, with that, you, you have many, many different, you can go in many different ways. But I remember this deep conviction that I needed to bring this to the light of a friend. And it was the worst idea ever, but it was the needed idea for me. And uh, here's where everything becomes real, right? When the spirituality is just a, you know, good thoughts and ideas or becomes a real thing. And those words of Jesus, you know, you obey what I tell you. It's not a conditional, but it's here, here's the moment, Marcos. I am prompting in your heart. And I remember going to, to, to with this friend to, 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 in this moment of confession, I couldn't even see him. I couldn't not even, you know, lift my eyes to, to, to acknowledge what I was thinking of. But it was super deep. As soon as, as, as I stopped talking, you know, just to receive the grace. I remember him saying, Something like, and in the name of Jesus, I forgive you. I don't know. If you have experience like that, uh, I don't wish that you will have to suffer because of things that you need to confess, but I wish that you will know what the, the, the passage, the quote before says, what a joy is to be sure that you don't have to carry this alone. Let me finish by saying this. Your soul is protected through confession. There is a real enemy who wants to kill, who wants to steal, who wants to devour. And confession is something that protects your soul. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there and open this space for dialogue. You have heard a lot of my, my words now. I love the last few minutes to, to hear your comments, your questions. What comes to mind when you think of a spiritual friendship? What brings hope? What brings some level of resistance to you? How do you think about this? Ah, Michelle, I know that you have to leave. No worries. Thank you. This was so interesting to me because um, I've, I've just uh, started being involved with a small group of men who want to support each other in, in our spiritual walk. And uh, we're meeting on Monday mornings uh, by Zoom from 7.30 to 8 in the morning. And uh, this was our second meeting this morning. Uh, but this is the very kind of thing that we're desiring to build. I mean, we're, we're new as a group, and, and we, don't, um, we know each other, but not with a lot of depth. 
but this is like the desire of our heart. Um, and so I found this very helpful uh, in, in painting that picture of, of what that can potentially look like. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so. I'm glad to hear. And you know, what comes to mind, I hear you about talking about a group of men that need this, which is something to celebrate. This is not a judgment and a stereotype, but many men don't want to need this, right? We prefer not to need this. And that is part of our journey, part of our brokenness, even, I would say. We don't want to be helped. We don't want to. We connect through doing other things, but don't, don't ask me to, to, to bring this level of vulnerability, to have the relationship. That's what's so refreshing for me in the scripture, to, to find David, this warrior poet, you know, this, this beautiful picture, a man, man that is able to have a, this kind of relationship with another man. And uh, I hear that in your case, there is desire. I believe that over time, as we continue our journey, you know, we mature spiritually. There is a, if things are, are like they should be, at least in my limited understanding of, of God's design for us, our soul start increasing its need for a soul companionship. For Anamkara, for somebody to listen. And when we are able, and I'm so glad to hear, to express that desire to other men and say, well, we don't know how to do this, but we can walk and we can learn together. Makes me, makes me joyful. So what, what of these will be, I mean, and this is not about this talk, but what of the things that you, you heard will be helpful for you to, to apply, what do you think it would be specifically helpful for your group? So, well, I mean, all of it. Uh, it looks really, really helpful to me. But uh, the characteristics you mentioned of uh, the intentionality, the grace. Uh, the truth, the, the truth center. Yes, I want to say a little about that truth center because in in my experience where um, where I've had this before, these kinds of relationships, and I have been blessed to have these, um, it's required a stepping out in faith uh, and really with the faith in the Lord uh, more so than in the other person uh that that the because people people may disappoint each other but the lord um you know the lord is is the center and is always trustworthy and if if it's if it's something that we feel like the lord is doing and wants to do then it's a like anything else in the life with him it's a it's a stepping out and trusting him in that, that, that he will provide what's needed for that to happen. 
And if anything goes astray, he will cover that and heal that as well. It's that it's that trust uh, in him. Because uh, sometimes if you if if we just wait for um, the trust to build between people, um, it may never be there. Yeah, that's very well put. So I love the distinction that you're making. I think it's very helpful. So when I uh, I, I discern, right, it's, it becomes a desire, that it becomes prayer, that it becomes a, 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 an answer of, of prayer. And in all of these, there's discernment. But when I am in, in, entrusting myself into a relationship like this, I am not trusting on the external. I'm not trusting in the people. Yes, they can hurt me. Actually, Jesus knows a lot about it, right? He knows that he can hurt. Actually, he, he's not out of the idea, what if I'm betrayed? Because he can say, well, guess what? I was betrayed too. So I can understand that. But it is trusting that beyond all things considered, the one who is holding all things together is God. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. And I think that that need of grace, we we seek so much in these times to be right, to be intellectual, you know, especially small groups. I, I love hearing small groups that are seeking something different, right? But we, we seek to to deal with um, with truth, to know the truth, to teach, to you know, it, it becomes a little bit of an egocentric uh, approach you know let me tell you how much i know about this passage and let me tell you how much i know about that passage and the truth is that easy it is easier i believe it is easier to talk for 20 minutes about what i know about the passage of matthew 20 whatever than to talk about what's going really going on in my soul because if i have to tell you what's going on in my soul i have to face myself and i have to face areas of my life where there is pain, uncertainty. And uh, if, uh, and I believe is the case, if the Bible is true, then God is closer to the broken hearted. And in those areas of our heart that is broken is where we are going to find the work of God fresh in our lives. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing so I don't know if there's any other comment or question. Well, let me then just read this and close us with these words, this blessing. By the way, there is a John um, Donahue as, as a poet, as a mystic, you know, has a lot to say about this, this idea of friendship. And he has a book called Anna Makara, Soul Friendship. And this is a blessing uh, that he writes, a friendship blessing made be for you and for us. May you be blessed with good friends. May you learn to be a good friend to yourself. 
May you be able to journey to that place in your soul where there is great love, warmth, feeling, and forgiveness. May this change you. May it transfigure that which is negative, distant, or cold in you. May you be brought into the real passion, kinship, and affinity of belonging. May you treasure your friends. May you be good to them and may you be there for them. May they bring you all the blessing, challenges, truth and light that you need for your journey. May you never be isolated, even in the times of pandemic. May you always be in the gentle nest of belonging with your Anam Ka. May it be so, Lord. May it be so for us. Thank you. Oh, the For more information about faith walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that faith walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us/donate. Thank you for listening.